Okay, so we're we're testing the sound of the microphone. Can you test it? <laughs> Sounds like you're using a rain stick. <laughs> hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey y'all, so I'm really excited for today's episode because we have a super special guest, my mom, Sheena. Literally, this is the person I go to most frequently with my own burning questions, when I need good advice, or just someone to listen to me process wildly about something that's stressing me out. She's here with me today to talk about some of your uh, shorter, quicker questions that you've submitted, and I am so excited for you to hear from her. So let's just dive right in. Hey, everyone. So I'm here today with my mom, Sheena. Can you say hi, Sheena? Hello. <laughs> I'm going to say hello, Sheena. <laughs> hello, Sheena. Hello, Sheena. Uh, so I've been, throughout my life, I've been told that our voices are nearly indistinguishable. Have people told you that too? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll find out how true that actually is when uh, folks listen to this episode and they can tell us. So Her, her voice is the young one. I don't know about that. Um, so let us know if we really do sound alike or if people have just been bullshitting us for my, <laughs> enti- my entire adult life. Thank you. Um, so we're going to answer some questions that you all have sent in. And um, I've compiled a bunch of the like shorter ones. So the last couple of episodes I've done like longer, um, more elaborate questions, but people send in things that are like literally just like one sentence. So we can, <laughs> we can answer a bunch of them. Um and in more of kind of like a quick hits kind of fashion. How does that sound? Are you ready? I'm game. Let's do it. <laughs> thought you said I'm gay. No, I don't think I'm gay, but I am <laughs> game to do this. If you were, that would be okay, though. That would be okay with me. Okay. So the first question we have, how do I cathartically release ancient rage left over from childhood wounds? <laughs> do you have ancient rage left over from childhood wounds? Well, <laughs> I'm built on it. <laughs> Um, you, I don't think you do. Oh, you don't think you release your ancient rage? You just hold on to it? No, you like add some eggs and make something good out of it. I don't know. Oh, that, that's a quote direct from yeah. my mom, y'all. Add some eggs and make something good. <laughs> make some breakfast food. Oh, man. This is, um, so I did, um, I got this one a while back and I did like an Instagram story of it and had like a poll that was like, you know, do you have ancient rage from your childhood? And it was like over a hundred people said, yes, I do. Um, so I think this is true for a lot of people. Um, I think 
the, the first thing to say is like, it's okay to be angry. Uh, I feel like we're taught, especially as women, that anger is inconvenient or it's not likable. Um, but actually it's just a human emotion. It's fuel. Uh, oh, or it's fuel. You can view it as fuel. Um, the, th- I mean, the thing I would say is like, go, if you want to, you know, have a way to release your rage, you have to find a setting that that feels safe for you to do. Um, so that's different for everybody. Right. Um, but what's your setting that is, uh, you know, a place or, you know, certain people that you're around where you feel safe to like really get vulnerable with your emotions, whatever it means for you to get vulnerable with your emotions and begin from there. Um, but it depends on how much rage you have to release. That makes me sad. For everyone with the rage. They got some ancient rage. Well, I probably have some some rage. That's what my therapist says, that underneath a lot of my emo- emotional expression is rage. Okay. I buy that. <laughs> okay. I think, um, but yeah, I think this is, when we hide it, we repress it a lot, right? But that is, you know, that's the place to start. How can you safely express your feelings and your emotions? Um, okay. The next one, how do I feel stress and joy at the same time? Oh, mom's looking thoughtful. I feel stress and joy all the time together. It's like a, it's like a cocktail. Um, my job is stressful, but it's probably the most joyful. What's your job? For people who are listening to this who don't oh. know. <laughs> you know what I do. You really don't know what my job I, is? Um, I'm an advocate for cancer patients. Okay. So that's like the definition of stress and joy at the same yeah. time. Yeah. It's important. Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the big thing here is just um, really acknowledging, like I feel like at least 75% of mastering this concept is acknowledging that the absence of stress doesn't necessarily equal joy. That like you can live a life that is totally stress-free, but is also like joy-free. There's no joy well, in it. And you have to have some stress. I don't not have to. I think you have to have some stress because that means you're outside of your comfort zone and you're mm-hmm. you're moving into some and if you weren't moving into something unknown or something different or something, whatever you label it, then there's not gonna be any stress. And you're just kind of staying in the same place, which is nice, but I mean, do we, you want to stay in the same place? I don't. No, no. And stress is, that's all right. Stress is all right. It is. I mean, it is, if it, you can live with stress. You just have to see what you do with it. Like Mm -hmm. when you're stressed, do you, you know, abuse drugs? Do you abuse the people around you? Do you do those things? Or when you have stress, do you, you know, have the heart beating a little faster, your palms sweat a little bit, you, your thinking's not as clear. What does stress look like? And if your stress is those things, your heart beating faster, those physical things, and make friends with those and, and keep going. But if it's your stress makes you act like an asshole, then that's a problem. Sure. So your stress can be, stress can be an okay thing. It can be a motivator. It can be, you know, that fuel with your rage to go with your rage. I was going to say, it's, yeah, if, if you're, you're stressing stress- your rage, you're set. If your stress is um, is helping you tap into your ancient rage, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that that's I think that that's really good, and I think we're you know you're going to feel both in life. Mm-hmm. Ideally, if you're having you know a lot of life experiences and you're 
you know, trying new things, you're going to experience stress and hopefully you're going to experience joy. Um, I would rather have a ton of stress and a ton of joy than not that much stress and not that much joy. And I think I agree with that. And I think that when you're stressed and like in my, in my job, my job is stressful, but I have, um, I have, well, my job, I've only done it for like two and a half years. And I have friends there that are very good friends that are probably better friends than I've had in my entire life because I've made those friendships knee deep in stress and crisis and sadness and all of those things. And I think you, you need to see who shows up in your, in your shit to, to know how valuable those relationships. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Amy, I have Amy, someone I work with and, and she just, she's one of those people that shows up for your shit. Mm -hmm. And when you're in stress and then when you're not stressed out, she's kind of just there and, and existing. But when your stuff gets bad and you get stressed out, she's like there and she's, she's given the hugs that make you feel like your ancestors are being hugged. And she says the kind things to you. And, and she's the one that tells you she loves you as she's leaving at the end of the day. Mm. And if we hadn't hung out in stress, we wouldn't have the, like the level of intimacy we have in our friendship. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it was stress driven. Yeah. I think that's really good. I think so much of where we, and I feel like I've said this on the podcast before that like a lot of where we find intimacy and like you said, intimacy and connection with people is through things that are, that are stressful. Mm -hmm. And it's also like that, that saying, like, I feel like I see this on, um, like on Instagram or like on Facebook all the time, this, this quote of like, no rain, no flowers that like, if there's, um, you know, it's through like emotions or shit that's hard that you then get joy that comes out of it. Or that like, if there's no contrast, like if you have nothing to compare a joyful moment to, then it's not necessarily going to feel as particularly joyful as if you have the contrast of something that's stressful and hard. Um, but no, I mean, I think the feeling stress and joy at the same time, the biggest part here is like, you have to acknowledge that you can experience both at the same time. And it's like tapping into what feels stressful about this, but what feels joyful about this. So this is stuff where like things like a gratitude journal can come in handy because it can cause you to be really cognizant of like, what do I have to be grateful for? What do I have to feel joy about? Even if things are stressful, mm-hmm. but you really can feel both. I feel like I feel both continuously and constantly, but if I, I feel like I wouldn't feel the joy as much if I wasn't trying to pay attention to it. And I think, you know, having like some kind of gratitude practice helps with that a lot. Okay. How do I stop feeling inadequate? How do you get your confidence? It's like a two-parter, but Mm. how do I stop feeling inadequate? I think for me, like my my confidence feels like it's um, like a thousand percent manufactured within. Um, And like, I'm not saying it's fake, which you'll notice I'm not saying that. And I know there are people who would hear that the word like manufactured or like that I, I created or make it up and think, Oh, your confidence is fake, but it's not. Um, But it's like, I generate it from within me and no one like gives me my confidence, which also means that it then, doesn't depend on anybody else for the confidence. I don't get it from anywhere. I create it for myself. Um, but it's like kind of the, I don't love the fake it, the saying fake it till you make it, but it's kind of that 
And so you have to, you have to just say like, I'm going to be confident. I'm going to believe in myself. Like you, you're committing to a belief, even if in the beginning you like don't buy it for a single second. All right. Well, yeah, the, it's like showing up. You've done all the prep like for a job. Are we talking about a job? This person didn't necessarily say, but it could be for, I was just thinking like in general, but in like my brain does that in my job, like in, in my job, I think because I deal with like crisis and things that are happening that way. I, I believe that I'm confident in my job for one, because I, I'm going to throw myself into it completely. Even if it's, even if I don't know what I'm doing, I'm going to get in it and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to ask all the questions and do all those things. And I have confidence in my ability to do those things and then not back off. But I also think it's the preparation for getting there. It's the, um, if you're doing a, or even not even a job, like if you're in a relationship or whatever, if you've done the work to get there, you know, the, if, with a job or you've done the work in a relationship with, you know, being loyal and all of those things and you get to that point, then I think the rest is just having faith in yourself and trusting yourself to, to just jump in there and do it. You're going to be able to jump in there and do it. You're going to be able to show up for it. And I think that fake it till you make it thing is, it's almost like, just believe it. Just believe that you have enough confidence and you have enough whatever it takes that when you're in the moment of whatever, you're going to rise to the occasion to be able to do it. You just have to have faith in that. And if you don't have faith in that, nobody else is going to have faith in that. I just hit your microphone. I'm sorry. That's all right. They might apologize to whoever's listening because they, they might have just heard a... <laughs> So that was, that was me smacking the microphone. She's gesticulating wildly. She's getting really excited about this, this question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there, I think there's that right. And then this part of the question that says, cause there's the, you know, how do you get your confidence stop from feeling inadequate? But like, I, you know, feeling inadequate is like a self-belief that comes from somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Inadequate means you're comparing yourself up against something Someone else. Something that else. is, yes. And like, so, and then there's all kinds of shit we say about comparison, right? Like comparison is the thief of joy or whatever, mm. but like, it really is. It's, you know, it's, you're comparing yourself to some kind of like external benchmark that like sometimes isn't even real. Yeah. It's a notion. You're comparing yourself to like a notion of perfection. Yes. And, or the, you know, the, like with social media, you see people and that's not what it is, you know, the things you put on social media is the best angle and your house when it's clean and all of those things. People, nobody's house looks like that all the time. You know, I walk through my house and think, man, if I got murdered, somebody would come in, this would be a crime scene. And they think I was a slob, which is fine, but I can clean it up and take a picture from an angle. Maybe God, that looks really nice. Well, yes, it's all, it's just a notion. It's a notion of something that's perfect or, or better than you or whatever. And, you know, and the reality is like, you can set that benchmark for yourself and say like, I'll be good enough when I'm blank, when Mm. I, you know, lose this many pounds, when I get that job, when I make this much money, when I get engaged or get married, when I have a baby. And like, the reality is every time you hit one of those, you know, benchmarks you've set for yourself, you're still going to feel inadequate. Spoiler alert. Like that's still going to be true. 
then you're going to be disappointed too. Like, well, damn, <laughs> I thought when this happened, I was going to do this. I thought this was going to be the thing that made me happy. And the reality is like, there's, you're, you're not going to find that. No. Externally by comparing yourself to like what other people's picture of success looks like. Now, does that mean that like, oh, it's just impossible for you to be happy? Also, no. No. Um, but, you know, a question of like, you know, I feel inadequate, like, which is a valid real way that people feel, by the way, that's normal. And so many people feel that, you know, when you're feeling that way, it's inadequate compared to what, and why is that? Why is that my benchmark for success? Or why is that what will make me happy? What would it mean? And ask yourself, what would it mean if I was adequate right now? Or maybe define adequate. Sure. What's adequate. Right. Or like, Maybe another way to put it is like, what would it mean if this right now was adequate? Mm -hmm. So start with that question and then call me and we can talk more about it. (laughs) Um, Should I quit a job that stresses me out if I don't have another one lined up? She just made like kind of a cringy, cringy face. What does that mean? Boy. Um. I'm curious to what you think about this because I... I was talking with some friends earlier this week and we were talking about how there can sometimes be like slight generational differences and how people might respond to this question. And so like, you know, had a friend saying that for her, like there might be the instinct to like leave a job that makes you miserably unhappy, but like that her parents might be like, no, 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 like do not under no circumstances. Should you quit a good job? Like hold out as long as you can. So I'm, I'm curious what, what um, your thoughts are. Well, my brain goes to all of the, um, the things you get from a job. And my, because I'm a nurse, the first thing I think of is your health care. Mm. And, and I think you need health care. And, and I also, you look at the resources you get from a job. So all the practical things of that. But then again, in that like cost benefit analysis, if you're miserable in a job and you have a marketable skill you can take somewhere else, you know, go take it somewhere else. But man. Yeah, I think this is my computer telling me it's running out of battery. Um, So, I mean, I think like literally you, question asker, are the only person who can answer this for yourself. So, you know, if this is if this is something that is on your mind. Like you're the only, you're the only person who can answer this because you're the only person who has your full picture of your circumstances. Right. So is it, should I, and, and it depends on what you mean by quit a job. Does it mean, should you leave tomorrow with no notice? Does it, and like potentially destroy like a future reference? Does it mean, should you start looking for another job? I like does to it, start looking. If you're feeling, if you're feeling like that, you ought to start looking. You ought yeah. to start looking and you, you ought to start doing those things about do I even want to be in this profession? If this job's stressing you out, maybe this isn't the profession for you. And yeah. don't stay 10 years in a profession that doesn't feed something in you. Yeah. Because that's you're not getting those years back. Yeah, that's a good point. And it could be moving you towards something else that, that you would be better at or you would be happier doing. Totally. And I think, like, the thing to remember, too, is, like, are you talking about a part-time job? Are you talking about a job while you're in school? Are you talking about... I mean, not everybody's job does provide health care. So is it right. like, you know, do I want to leave a job mm-hmm. that doesn't provide me with benefits that I need to like keep me alive? Or like, do you have, you know, if it does provide you health care, do you have like a chronic health condition that you need to make sure is covered? And like, 
six months without healthcare would like just wreck you. And so, and do you know how to find, do you know how to find, do you know how to access other healthcare? And, and if you want to work, and that's another thing, if it's stressing you out, if you're in a job that's stressing you out, maybe you can relieve some of that stress by making plans to find a different job. So Mm. continue to do the job you have while checking out where you find your insurance and deciding, do I want to even do this career that I'm in? Or do I want to do this career in a different, in a different arena, like in nursing, you can go do different types of nursing. And so maybe you just, like I have a friend that just left working in the chemo, chemo infusion area where I work and she's going to another facility to do about the same thing, but with different patient population. Hmm. And I think it's going to be better for her. So is, do you work in a profession where you have that luxury of being able to bounce around like that? Or, you know, yeah. are you in a specialized, highly specialized career where you can only do it here with these three people or whatever? You have to think about those things. Yeah. And I think too, like the, you know, this, the wording here is, should I quit a job that stresses me out? So I, you know, I want to, I would want to know more about what it means that it stresses you out because we had somebody who, you know, a question I answered on the podcast last week was like a job that stresses me out means I am up having panic attacks every single night. Mm -hmm. To me, that is like, that is too much. That is like costing you your mental health. Right. But like, if it stresses you out in that, like you're feeling stress, period, like you're feeling some stress or like you're thinking about work a little bit outside of work. Like I also wonder if it's your job or if it's your coping mechanisms that you use to deal with stress, if it's the boundaries that you do or do not have in place around your job, if it's, you know, or like that you've set with your boss or with your coworkers, you know, if they're like texting you outside of work and that's stressing you out, if they're emailing after hours and you're not sure that if you should respond you know, off work hours, or if you should wait till the following day, things like that. Like I would encourage you to, you know, explore a little bit more around the, like, could you cope with and manage the stress? If like all things aside, if it's a good job, if it's in the field you want to be in, if it's with coworkers you like, and that's again, go back to last week's episode where I talk a lot about work stuff, but it's, um, you know, there are ways that you can deal with the stress part without having to, you know, throw the job part in the garbage. Yeah, because maybe you just suck at the stress management. Yes. And maybe if you just addressed that, because when you say the thing of, of, should I quit a job, that's, you're not really quitting, you're just leaving. You're leaving a job to go to another job. You're not really quitting. Yeah. Because you're, and also you're a, if you're working for somebody, you're a, you're a, your time is is a commodity and, and you get to take it wherever you want it. That's right. And if you're stressed out and you're going to a job where you're not feeling whatever and you can't do anything about the stress, then take your commodity and, and move it somewhere else. Because, right. I mean, you have something somebody wants to pay money for. So That's right. That's right. You're not, you don't have to be beholden. Mm-hmm. To a job where you're not happy. Because you were looking for a job when you found the one you have now. That's right. So you could look for another job. and We we believe in you that you can find another job that makes you happier. Or this may be the best damn job you're ever going to have. You just haven't figured out the the way to actually get it on there comfortably, to to get it to where it works. That's right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. 
Hey there, it's me, Aubrey. Do you like what you hear on the Ask Aubrey podcast and find yourself thinking about what it would be like to work with me directly? For me to weigh in on the things you're going through and help to support you through it on a path toward growth and wellness and self-worth? Well, you can hire me as your coach. I'm a certified life coach specializing in self-worth for women and queer people. I have a few slots open for life coaching clients in the new year, and I offer a totally free consultation, including a sample coaching session, so you can see what coaching is like and decide if it's right for you at no cost. If you're interested or even just curious, you can sign up for your free sample session at my website. That's aubreyhenderson.com. Let's talk. I can't wait to support you as you grow towards your goals and into your best and most gorgeous self. Okay, so we're back with some more questions. Um, this, this one makes me giggle. I uh, saved this one just for you. Somebody asked, what's your favorite kind of ASMR? Oh, I like ASMR. So if for anybody who doesn't know, um, I thought this could be good for us to talk about because I know we both listen to ASMR. So um, ASMR is... Um, it stands for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, ASMR. So you'll hear us say it really fast, like ASMR, ASMR. Um, but it refers to a, and this is a, a definition pulled from online, a feeling of well-being combined with a tingling sensation often in the scalp and down the back of the neck as experienced by some people in response to a specific gentle stimulus, often a particular sound. So ASMR is, it's, yeah, it's the, it's basically this like bodily experience that you have often as a result of like a very specific sound or like a visual. And those things are called ASMR triggers or just triggers for short, but they're, they're things that trigger that response for you. So people actually ask me this all the time when they find out that I listen to ASMR. And it's funny because it's kind of like a, people don't, talk about it all the it's time. It's like you're, you're listening to porn or something. Yes. Like, they've discovered that you like, you know, garage mechanic porn or something. And you're, and you're trying <laughs> to explain to them like, no, 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 it's noises. And most, a lot of people listen to it um, when they want to go to sleep. Yeah. I listen to it just about every night to fall to asleep. To go to sleep. Um, although sometimes if I'm like working on like a writing task, I can listen to it if I need to just like relax, mm-hmm. if I feel tense. I listen to it at work. I put it on at work and I put my phone like up on the, on the shelf and it's in the background and I, um, I accomplish things cause I'm not paying attention to, to music and I'm not paying attention to someone talking to me. So it, to give people, if people are listening to this, like, what the fuck are you guys talking about? Mm-hmm. It's, um, so a lot of the time it's people whispering. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah. yeah so YouTube. you can find it on YouTube. Um, if you just search ASMR, you're going to get into like kind of a gold mine of just like a bunch of different stuff. And often, you know, I can't just search ASMR. I like now have, um, you know, specific artists or like content creators that I really, you know, specifically like listening to. And so, you know, often it's, it will be the the person like whispering or speaking in like a softer vocal tone. I like don't want to, <laughs> like we could recreate it here, but it just seems yeah. kind of strange, but like, um, yeah, it's all, and that's what in our, in the intro we <laughs> mom was joking and making, um, like making tapping tapping sounds because often it'll be, it'll be like, you know, just like a whisper 
or like a soft, like a soft spoken, quiet voice, or it'll be sounds of tapping fingernails, tapping on a keyboard, um, tapping on a metal can, but it's, it's different sounds. And like a lot of people describe having this, this like sensation or experience even as early as when they were kids. Oh, Absolutely. And for me, like I specifically like, and this is a really common one on actually ASMR videos to ask ASMR content creators what their first experience of ASMR was. And so for me, it was when we were in like kindergarten and the teacher would like sit us all down on like the carpet in the reading area and sit in a rocking chair and would read us a book. And um, the books would have those like crinkly plastic covers Mm -hmm. that you would, you know, open and and they would make this like kind of like crunchy, crinkly sound. And I loved those, but there, it gives you this like kind of like scalp tingly feeling and like it's goosebumpy, like goosebumpy brain feeling. Yeah. Plus relaxed. And it's kind of like what I, you know, how I describe it to people who haven't experienced it before is it's kind of like when somebody's brushing your hair, Mm -hmm. to me, it feels as if someone is brushing my hair, even though they're not. Or tickling your back with their fingertips. That's oh, that's interesting. Of, yeah. yeah. It's, but it's, you know, it's very subtle and it's all like, so that's, what's interesting is like, it's those physical sensations are kind of simulated it, but with only just like listening to a sound or like seeing for some people, like seeing somebody trace letters on a page or like follow along. Um, yeah, some are visual and some are auditory. Right. So my, so this, so that was just your little primer on ASMR if you're not familiar. But my favorite kind, I really like ASMR that is um, whisper. I like whispering, um, and so somebody whispering, uh, like either reading a book or flipping through a magazine, or like describing a process. So I like I like makeup tutorials mm-hmm. that are whispered. Those are nice. Yeah, um, even if their makeup is terrible, you're like, well, boy, they sound well, nice I've, saying it. Five minutes into it, I've fallen asleep, so I actually don't ever see how their makeup ends up anyway. I, the first, I used to work with a coworker that chewed gum very loud, and she did that thing where she would crack it. Yes. <laughs> and when I would work with her, I found myself trying really hard not to fall asleep. And oh. yeah, she would sit at the desk, and I work nights anyways. But she would sit at the desk like next to me or down from me and she would chew gum and it was all I could do just not to completely fall asleep because the the noise, like the rhythmic cracky noise made my brain really relaxed. I also used to have, um, God, that was when I was a kid. I used to have a teacher that whistled. That oh. would just Yeah, would whistle songs, like kind of just quiet whistle. And that also made my brain relaxed. And, um, and that's why when I was, I was having some weird insomnia years ago, um, I was trying to find something to listen to. Like I, like the, um, massage music, you know, the music they play in the massage. Oh, yeah, like the Zen kind yeah. of like. And I was searching that on YouTube and I found a video of somebody whistling and I was like, Oh, let's, and that, that did it. It was like, oh my God, I could instantly fall asleep. And it was just somebody whistling like songs you knew, but just kind of just low level enthusiasm whistling. And then I just stumbled upon it on, on YouTube. It was like, oh my God, there was all of these videos 
of weird noises and things like that. And I remember telling you guys, I was like, oh my God, I, it was when Austin couldn't sleep. When oh, Austin, yeah. my, when my, my brother, yeah, Austin couldn't sleep. I was like, oh, get some headphones and find these videos on YouTube. And Austin listens to it to go to sleep. Aubrey does. I listen to it to go to sleep. And mine is um, people whispering where I can't really tell what they're saying. Oh. Yeah, where you just hear the, I, I can't even do it, where you can barely hear what they're saying and you sort of have to strain to hear it, but there's, and lots of T's and K's and S's in what they say. Oh, yeah. So you hear a bit of it and that makes me fall asleep. Interesting. Yeah, and there's certain readers on auto. I listen to audiobooks, like when I travel, and there's certain readers on on Audible that I can't listen to because they they relax me and make me sleepy. So there's yeah, <laughs> there's songs I can't li- or not songs. There's books I can't listen to while driving because it'll make me sleepy. That's really interesting. There's um, I was listening to a podcast recently that were um, someone was being interviewed and she had like a very kind of like a soft voice mm-hmm. and like um this is going to sound kind of gross but like when people when people speak and they have their they have kind of like sticky sounds spitty mouth yeah. yes um she had that kind of voice and i was like oh i'm going to fall asleep listening to this yeah. it was it's just if they so, keep talking i'm going to fall asleep it's or really with the spitty mouth thing there's a fine line between or the cracking gum too there's a fine line between what makes you relaxed and makes you peaceful and what makes you think, oh my God, I'm going to squeeze their face till they stop. You know, like, <laughs> oh yeah. It's, you know, some folks make that. that Between noise. like what's annoying. Yeah. What where it gets to where you're just annoyed <laughs> by what they're, what they're doing. <laughs> so there's a fine line between what's relaxing and what's, yeah, really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That was a good one. Um, oh boy. Okay. I have, so this is the last question we have that somebody sent in. Um, I'm interested for you to hear this one, mom. Why do I keep going back to a person that hurts me over and over again? I know they treat me terribly and I can acknowledge logically speaking that I deserve better, but I keep getting sucked in. What do I do? Figure out what you're getting out of it because you're getting something out of it and stop. Figure out why you need that and find it somewhere else. But you know, I'm not anyone to talk. I have nobody to give judgment or pass judgment on anyone. Mm. So you think people are, when people are in shitty situations like this, where they keep going back to something they know is bad for them, you think there's something they're getting out of it. You're, you're, well, and whether it's, maybe you just, you came broken that way. You know, maybe you came broken where <clears throat> um, that's familiar to you. Hmm. Cause you know, like, like, when I, um, it's familiar to me, or it was familiar to me to have somebody speak to me like what I was saying was stupid, mm-hmm. you know, like that, that they were, I mean, I was raised, I was raised by a Marine and, and you, um, there was a lot of times in, where you would say something and, and the look on his face was, well, you're an idiot. And that came up really early. So, you know, and I look back now and I realize he wasn't even listening to what I was saying Mm -hmm. and I wasn't an idiot. 
or I was saying something that was challenging a belief of his and, you know, you have to shut that down because they had too many kids. But um, so you come with that baggage of thinking that's what you deserve or that's what you mm. or that's what's familiar. Sometimes the shitty stuff is just what's familiar. Yeah. Like with raising children that were in foster care, I, I worry that the two girls are going to the stuff that they have what, you know, what broke up their original family, I worry that the, the, the baggage from that is going to go forward with them and they're going to be making, you know, they're going to be jumping knee deep into relationships that have chaos and, and substance abuse things, and, you know, all of those things, because that's what's familiar to them. Mm. So that, you know, I think people do that too. You do, even if what's familiar, familiar is, is painful, you, it's still familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And the familiarity is comforting, even mm-hmm. if it's, and it's especially, the shit you know, yeah, especially if it's familiar from your childhood too, mm-hmm. when you're, as you're like assuming because my, you know, most of my um, audience is not children. It's <laughs> <laughs> people in like, you know, um, people who survived their childhood. Yes. And so, um, you know, presumably this person is, is an adult and, or a young adult who's mm-hmm. in, um, this relationship, but yeah, like in adulthood, especially in the idea of like being in a relationship, we always think like the alternative is being alone or being lonely. Mm-hmm. And like, that's, I mean, to me, this sounds like a person who the alternative of like not being with anybody is being alone. Um, Oh, I like alone. <laughs> alone is my favorite thing. <laughs> and I didn't used to like alone. I do, I think I do now. I mean, not And like, I, you know, am very much married, have my kids, like I have my nuclear family that is, you know, feels like stable and intact, God willing. But like, you know, I, for a long time was very much like, I don't, I want to be in a relationship with somebody no matter what, Um, which like you, mom, you know that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you get sucked back into it because the, you know, and I posted about this, um, a couple of days ago on Instagram, but like I, I got something out of it. The thing I got out of it was feeling useful. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like, I was in, I mean, I was in multiple relationships with people in this way, but like the, you know, example I can think of that's like, that I immediately think of when I think about this is like, it was somebody who was like literally circling the drain in their own mental health and their own coping and how they treated themselves and how they treated me and other people. And to me, it was like, Oh, I can rescue you. Um, and trying to rescue you gives me a purpose and a meaning. And it's like really, it's scary to then be like, Nope, like I'm going to, I'm going to choose to believe that I have another, you know, that this ain't it. Like I have Mm -hmm. another purpose or, you know, that my, safety or my well-being or whatever is more important but like I don't you know this person I imagine if you keep going back to this and if this person's hurting you over and over I don't know that you believe that you deserve better than that or maybe you don't you don't realize it's not supposed it's not supposed to feel crappy like that yeah maybe you know love did they say this this is a person they love or it's just no they just said they keep going back to them they didn't use the word love but Oh, well, there you go. Um, so you go back and you're, you're, 
you're going back and repeatedly giving someone who treats you poorly your time, which, oh my God, I deal with people that are dying all the time. That's your shit that your time is. That's the shit. That's when you, when your end of your life comes, the shit you will want is that time back. Yeah. Cause that time, I mean, that's, that's the stuff. And and really it isn't, it isn't even in a crappy relationship, it's not supposed to take crazy amounts of effort and it's not supposed to feel uncomfortable. And like, you've got shoes on that are two sizes too small all the time. That's right. And I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think like there's a, there's a possibility that there's a not knowing that it's not supposed to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Although this person is saying like, they keep hurting me. I keep getting sucked in. I know they, that logically that they treat me terribly but you say you can acknowledge it logically speaking Mm -hmm. that you deserve better. But I don't, if you're still in it, Mm -hmm. I don't always, I don't feel certain that you necessarily really believe that. Um, Which isn't to say like, you know, that's not passing judgment on anybody Mm -hmm. who's in like a dangerous, abusive, scary situation. And like is, you know, is struggling with how to get out of that. Like that's a a different scenario, which I am hearing this and I don't know that that's what this person is Mm -hmm. describing, but if it is, that's it's a different story. And there's folks to help you with that. That's right. There are lots, lots of, folks. of wonderful folks um, who have stress in their jobs, but they're staying at them because they love them. That's right. Because they can have stress at what's the other one? Stress and joy at the same stress time. Stress and joy at the same time because they're helping people get out of shit. That's right. Um, but yeah, like, do you, you can acknowledge logically that you deserve better than this, but like deep in your bones, do you know it? And do you believe? I deserve better. And to me, it sounds like you're getting away and going back and getting away and going back. So you know it for a moment and then it gets scary and it gets uncomfortable and the stress level gets high. And then you're like, Oh hell no, I'm going back to that. Cause that's I, right. that's familiar. And I know it. And like, to me, like really what you have to do is you like, dude, you have to get some distance from it. Like you have to get some distance from it. And like the reality is if, and this is what I had to tell myself when I was getting out of my like really, awful, awful relationship was like, if this is meant to be, because there are like those thoughts that you have, right. That are often really intense. Like, well, what if I, and I've spoken to so many people. I like, you know, like people I'm related to people I'm friends with who are like, I think this is unhealthy, but what if I end it? And it's like the best I've ever had. And I deeply regret it. And to me, I'm like, this is a little woo woo, but if it's like, you're meant to be perfect relationship, it's going to come back. It is. The person's going to wait for you that, you know, or like there'll be another opening. Like you're not get their shit together and come back later when, when they're, when they're healed or whatever their stuff is. Cause whatever they're doing to you isn't, isn't about you. That's right. Whatever they're, they're treating you like shit because they learned how to treat people like shit. That's right. It's, it's their own stuff that's splashing onto you. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, get some distance from this. I mean, like I've been in my, I've been in my fair share of toxic relationships and this is both romantic and platonic to be clear. Um, but you have to disconnect from it and get some distance from it and know that like one, if it's like meant, like we said, if it's meant to be, it's going to circle back. So like, you're not going to break anything permanently by taking some space and like get some space, disconnect, don't engage. Like somebody's not going to disappear off the face of the earth. If you just take a break from talking to them, if you take some distance, how many times have you been in a situation, whether it's work, whether it's a friendship, whether it's a relationship that you were in it and 
you couldn't fully see the full picture or really comprehend it. And you got some space some distance from it. And you look back and you're like, wow, that was fucked what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like that was really like, I can't believe I was stuck in that. Yeah. I mean, that's how I feel now. That's how I felt like not long after that relationship was over, but you have to get through, like you have to be willing to like ride the waves of, Oh shit. Did I do something bad? Did I make like a, you know, terrible mistake by leaving this, this relationship or this person? Like, Oh, am I, ruining this irreparably forever. Um, you have to be able to ride that out. And like it, as the closer you are to it, the more you're going to see it through like a rosy lens of like, Oh, it wasn't that bad. Like, I just want to go back and seek the comfort. Whereas if you get some distance from it, you're likely, if you're saying right now, this person makes you feel like shit, Mm -hmm. you're going to look back and be like, they made me feel like shit. And the cost for the comfort was too high. That's right. That's exactly right. Oh, I mean, I really hope that you are able to get some space from it. I hope that you have people to support you. I mean, that's, that's the key is like being able to feel that you're, that you're supported in whatever choice that you make. Um, and I imagine if you're writing this to me that you have, um, you know, people who are probably also telling you like, Hey, this isn't the business. This is not what you need to be doing. Um, and that's part of what's having you feel aware of that. And when you're young, everything seems like big and, and urgent and, oh my God, this needs my attention now. And then when you get old, like me, it's like, she's not that old. I am am pretty old. You can look at it. Like I had a a relationship that was really long that ended in, but it kind of just faded away. And, um, and, and I look, I look back at it now. And at the time I didn't think it was at the time I was like, I don't, I think I, my brain had said, Oh yeah, I'm done with this now. But I, it was like, you have to just, I had to just mourn it. And then my sister died. So I got really good at mourning. And then it was like, well, as long as I'm, you know, in the shit about mourning my sister dying, let's mourn this relationship ending. And, and that I got better at it. And then now looking back, it's like, I'm up on the other side of the valley or whatever, looking back thinking, oh, well, there were parts of it that were lovely and wonderful, but there were parts that just stunk. And, but the, the, I'm grateful for the, the shit that stunk because now I'm, I'm like looking forward to another relationship thinking, yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. And that's a deal breaker for me. And now I know those things. It's knowledge I gained. It's 20 years of 20 something years of knowledge I gained. And it wasn't terrible when it ended. I mean, it wasn't, it felt big and ugly at the time. And then it kind of just simmered down and then it got, it it felt kind of like making, feels kind of like taking your shit back. Kind of just take, it's like, okay, you, he can take his stuff and it wasn't physical stuff. It was just the emotional stuff. So he could take what my brain saw as being self-centered and and game playing and all of those things. And I'll take, you know, the kindness I offered and the wisdom I offered for things and the, you know, the, the peaceful hippie lubricant that I put around all of his crazy stuff, (laughs) you know, I'm going to take that all with me and, you know, go in peace, buddy. That's, that's how, that's how it feels now. And it's peaceful now. And it's a, it's a nice thing now. And it also feels, I feel accomplished. Mm when I, I feel accomplished in it and we can, we can still raise this child we have together and I'm not looking at him all the time thinking, oh, you are a dick. 
I'm, you know, I'm kind of like, man, that, you know, he is who he is. And I, you know, and, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. 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 Any, any parting words you would impart on our friends who are listening, who are as, as the wise old lady that you are? Yeah. The sage hippie wisdom. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any old lady hippie wisdom. Um, don't go out in the sun. That's it. Yeah. Wear good, use good sunscreen. Um, really good advice <laughs> kiss a lot of people that's one go kiss a lot of people but mainly that person who's who's worried at the end there go kiss some people it'll make that's it nice you might you might you might find some better that's right that's good thank you so much for listening to this episode If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about, you can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson. And I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.